When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that told you to keep believing. This week on Heart and Hand, well, we wondered if there was a gap between Rangers and Celtic. The question now is, can Celtic close it? So welcome to Heart and Hand and Podcast, my name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by a veritable smorgasbord of range supporting oral talent. Um, joining me on the line, sort of live as it were, uh, is Mr Stephen Smith, former RST chairman. Hello David, how are you doing? I'm grand mate, how are you? I'm really, really good. Okay. Uh, what were you? sunny Oxfordshire. Yes, well, uh, as, as we were saying before we came on air there, it's funny that Rangers fans are sort of walking about singing, you know, that kind of, why do birds suddenly appear? And and just noticing the flowers and, you know, the colours. and The sun's even come out in Scotland. It's almost as if gods had been sort of hiding while everything was going on. Uh, you know you know me, I believe in a uh, an interventionist god, and I'm... I'm Thinking that he might have been involved in sending them all to the penalty spot for Rogic, but we'll we'll come to that. Um, we'll also be joined later in the show um, uh, on pre-record, so uh, they'll be we'll, we'll be getting the thoughts of uh, Cami Bell and Mark Dingwall. So um, we'll, we'll hear what they've got to say as well. I chatted to both of them to find out their thoughts earlier this week. So let's start obviously with a game you were there. Um, game on Sunday. Mm. Overall, what, what were your impressions of the match? Well, I thought the, the, the thing that impressed me most of all, David, was the fact that we imposed our game on Celtic, who, when all said and done, laughably enough, are Scotland's champions. You know, we, we played the possession football, the pressing game, and, you know, looked to attack and push your fullbacks up exactly the same way we have done all season since Warburton and Weir came. And, and I think that was the most impressive thing, is that the game went the way we wanted it to and to plan, so I mean, I think that's the most satisfying aspect of it, as well as obviously winning it. You know. I think that noticeably, 
Rangers were not in any way intimidated by, if you like, the aura of the opposition, or I wondered perhaps even about the physical strength of the opposition for for all we can sit and slag the likes of Scott Brown or whatever, they have been playing at a higher level for a longer time. Um, and they've been used to, you know, they've had pretty poor European results that have brought us some enormous uh, enormous deals of laughter. But they have competed at that level. And I did wonder if there would be a physical difference between the two sides, but there absolutely wasn't. And again, probably, in my opinion, for the first time since we've had it, and I know that's a big statement, but I really do I really do believe this, this Rangers team looks as though it might actually fully utilise Auchin Howie. Yeah, that's... Kind of clear, and I had the same kind of concerns. And, and when I listened to the manager after the game, he's talking about how we need to augment the squad for next year. And, and, and one of the characteristics is looking for experience in the other one's physicality. And I think anybody looking at that Rangers team says, well, other than Big Kierman and Halliday and Danny Wilson when he when he's in the mood, it's not really a very physical Rangers team in the sense you know that kind of Scottish dig it in and you know um, uh, take your opponents up apart kind of kind of physicality. No. So we do actually need to beef up a bit. And I was worried about that because, you know, I was just expecting Celtic Hammer for us to do, to do their usual. But if, if you're looking for a wee cameo to sum up how that game went, I just invite you to watch the 90 minutes and look at Scott Brown versus Andy Halliday. Mm. You know, and, and at the end of the day, Halliday cleaned his jacket out and picked his, you know, he, t- he takes his hand out of his pocket and Brown falls out a bit. Yeah. You know, laughable Scottish international captain and, uh, you know, made to, made to look like a joke from a guy we picked up on a three from Bradford City. Well, the most impressive thing about Andy Halliday is Andy Halliday made his Rangers career through sheer you know, will and sheer force of effort, really. Um, mm. he, he turned up last year, he was at a contract, he turned up, he, he basically, I think, demanded a trial, got one, um, <laughs> impressed you know, impressed them enough to, to, and then forced his way into the team and, and has stayed there ever since. So, I mean, Andy Halliday is, is very much, it's a cliche, but in his case, you can see it's true, he's living the dream. Um, living the dream, yep. I think that uh, the key moments in the match were, uh, for me anyway, and I touch upon this with uh, with Cammy. Uh, uh, the key moments for me were the opening fifteen minutes when it became clear that Rangers were going to play the way Rangers play, and you could see that Celtic had to adapt to that. And that, to me, was such an important mental breakthrough where it became quite clear that the manager's mantra of "it's about what we do" had been fully embraced by that squad and that uh, it didn't occur to them to worry about what Celtic would do to them it just wasn't in their makeup to do that no. uh, and sometimes no. that, that has cost us this season don't get me wrong but far more often than not our ability to just go we believe in what we do we know if we can do it properly then you know we're, go- we're, we're going to be very successful and you could see that right from the first whistle and the opening quarter of an hour and of course the key thing is we managed to finish that period of play with a goal uh, it'd, have been, it'd have been cruel if, if we hadn't you know um, and, I mean I remember we, we ended up Celtic ended up playing 4-5-1 effectively and isolating Griffiths and I was a wee bit concerned at times at how easy they would get through midfield on the odd occasion they did attack but Really, that big pitch was perfect for us. You know, we could play a game in a big, a big pitch where we're looking to knock the ball out to the keeper and play it out for the back, even when the ball's under pressure. And going back to your point about about Ock and Howie, it's clear that the players get to get to train where they get the ball, surrounded by traffic, and then have to try and keep it in a comfortable to get the ball when a player's next to us. Where the traditional Scottish thing is, 
Defenders in midfield hang about looking for the ball because it won't be controlled because we're technically not good enough and it'll be miscontrolled. We can make possession and, and you know sneak up there. This Rangers team doesn't give up possession very easily, you know, any of them. And we've got you know, Big Keelan's a good example. He developed into a decent passer, which when they first came, I don't think any of us could actually say that. But, you know, he developed into a far better footballer, clearly because he's getting the training and the coaching, the feedback, the support in order uh, to develop. And key moments, David, I mean, if you think, think about them, you know, Griffiths hits the woodwork and the ball falls to Roberts and he's got an open goal and misses it, you know. Mm-hmm. If that ball goes in, who knows what happens in, in, in that game, you know. And I said the margins are pretty fine uh, in terms of in terms of victory. Griffiths hits the, the woodwork again, uh, second half, uh, you know, up the, um, you know, Fodden couldn't get near it. No, I thought you'd go to the Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. The margins are pretty tight. Stephen. But having said that, you know, any objective look at that game would have said Rangers need it. And I think with the studio full of Celtic fans at Sky had, we're all saying exactly that. Stephen, I have to disagree with you there. Fodgham got a touch on that. That was a save. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Right. I've no say- you know something? This is a real pisser. Sorry, I shouldn't be swearing, but I'll swear anyway. Um, I haven't got, I haven't seen the game back. Oh right, I've, I've seen I've seen the game back three or four times. I've watched every <laughs> play show, so I mean I can I, I can I can assure you, you know he got a touch in that air. Um, he had a bit of luck of it coming off him and, and going back out. But no, you're absolutely right. Um, mm. And uh, it's a measure of look. Lee Griffiths has got thirty-seven goals this season now. Mm. Yeah, yes, the man looks as though somebody has set fire to a thumb and then put out mm-hmm. said fire with a hammer. But Aye. thirty-seven goals in any language in any league. The guy is talented, and the fact that we reduced him to really two long range efforts one hit in the post, and Roberts just scored, and then that, that one at the, at the end. Which, by the way, they took from five or six yards further forward from where the incident occurred, but uh, you know, we, yeah. we, we won't go into that at the moment. Um, and yeah, fine margins. We got the break with a throw in, which is fine because uh, Roy Aitken stole it in 1989, and uh, yeah. I think that that. You know, they haven't really complained too much about it, apart from the usual idiots, because I think there was a realisation uh, on Sunday among the Celtic supporters that this sort of, you know, Sevco zombie idiocy that they have distracted themselves with. They can't even blame Lowell for that. They have distracted themselves with this. Um, and not all Celtic supporters and I don't want to I know right now you know we're enjoying being a wee bit of tri- triumphalism and we've earned it and certainly mm-hmm. you know I'm not telling anyone not to do it after what we've been through but you know the majority of Celtic fans are not like that they're the quieter ones they're not the idiots on social media but these no, guys have set know. their agenda and they've allowed their club to atrophy to a terrible degree to, to kind of the way that it happened under under Murray with us for different reasons and the result of that on Saturday was one team played with a freshness, with an effervescence. One support was utterly united behind their team. And I'd mentioned this on the pod that I thought that something that might work for us, and I think it did work for us, was there's a difference between turning up an expectation of, you know, come on lads, we can do this, and an expectation of turning up and going, do you know what, you better not mess this up. And yeah. that that was very clear that that was what was coming down from from their end um, of just this anger and disbelief at what was happening, whereas our guys um, and and you're right, we would have been, you know, we'd have been satisfied with a performance with something a marker mm. that said we can compete with you, um, even if we're not quite there yet. But to actually go and then get the victory, and I think you know by common consent a, a very deserved victory. I think was a justification of all the work that the manager has put in over the last year and both 
the the players and the fans have bought into that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a real genuine question about about all this Sebco zombie stuff. Um, I just wonder what the people who are involved in it think it's going to achieve, what it achieves. Because I, I, I look at it and I go, aye. And look at Rangers and Ibrox and they're still there, strip's still there, player's still there, history intact, recognised all the judicial and legal authorities and all the football authorities. And I go, why have you been on with this? Because it, you know, it, it's, have, it's the flat earth society, it's having no effect. No. So you're just completely wasting the time. And I'm quite happy to let them waste their time in whatever way they want to. I just genuinely think they haven't thought through about what it, where it's actually legal. You know, it's, it's just displacement behaviour. It's and actually, as you say, it sets the tone for their kind of online stuff and their attitude. And actually, you saw the fruits of that where, you know, if they had made, when Neil Lennon left, if they had made a far-sighted appointment, you know, a young, hungry coach, a Brendan Rodgers or a Roberto Martinez, and, and that individual had set up the infrastructure and the, and the production line and put the roots down for that to happen, you know, the academy, the scouting, which, remember, when Strachan was there, their scouting system was excellent. Yeah, it was. Then, then they, could, they would be so far out of sight, they would be chasing the smoke for a decade. Mm-hmm. And we'd say you're going just as long as we make progress and we just need to catch up incrementally and all the rest of it. But now, as you saw, and that, that, I think, is a worrying thing to their point of view. And the pleasing thing from us because we know that that difference is now marginal mm-hmm. and that we will be able to compete next season. And as you say, it is all about what you do. We have a style. We have we have that. We've got kids, you know, that are, that are coming through. If you think about that team, uh, Mackay uh, is a product to the, um, you know, the youth system. We bought Fodringham for nothing, Wilson for nothing, Halliday in a three, Law was in a three, Clark was in a three. We played 200 grand for James Tavernier. Uh, and the only player that, that, that we actually spent any money on was at was Rangers you know, five years ago and, and Lee Wallace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it shows that it's about coaching mentality and attitude as much as it is anything else. And football is a confidence game. And, and, you know, I think, again, you saw that. Team internationals that were afraid of their own shadow and I support really worried about the fact because they built us up to be this kind of um, this, this, this nonsensical team that we, that we would have put a cricket score by mm. and we had some of our significant previous strikers talking about 4-0s and stuff yeah well, I'm, I'm just about yeah, to come to that but just before I do I, I just Aye. want to touch on something you've said there what's become clear in the last few weeks to Celtic fans as well their narrative has failed it hasn't taken root out with Scotland mm. um, people will say ah you're a new club because they think it annoys us whereas the fact mm. is it's so clear that nobody other than people who hate us believe that. And people have mm. not looked at this and Rangers' achievements this season and said, ah, well done, you're a four-year-old club and you've done well. What people are saying is this magnificent institution who who was, you know, raped, and that's a strong word, mm. but I can't think of another mm. term that's more accurate, by various charlatans and frauds and crooks. And you know, the fans have stuck there and they've mm-hmm. come through it together and now that they're, they're, they're back and it, it's a, a real fantastic wrinkle to a really fantastic story that's how it's viewed and all of mm-hmm. this you know all of this white noise around that from the Celtic support has achieved nothing than to make them look petty and stupid and the thing that I never got and I've said this before if we are a new club and if we're a four year old club the two things that that means is you invalidate any achievement that's that you you manage to get against us because we're only a four year old club after all you should be beating us it means winning mm. things in Scotland is is of absolutely no value to you so you talk down your own achievement 
And simultaneously, it means that any reverse or any time that this four-year-old club goes and achieves something, it magnifies ours. So your aim, which I, I can't understand, your aim to make us this tiny, small, new club, it, it only serves to reduce what you can achieve and amplify what we can. Now, you mentioned there uh, Chris Sutton and John Hartson, though not by name, I'm happy to do so. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I, I've been thinking about this now. I, I do occasionally like to, to come up with, you know, a wee snappy epithet um, or, or, you know, a, a wee phrase and I, I, I'll chuck in or whatever, but I think, you know, just pair of fannies. Aye. Do you know, uh, David, I mean, in, in much the same way that uh, one of the things that disappointed me about both Martin and Neil and Neil Lennon was that, that they played to their knuckle-dragging element, you know. Mm. The Celtic support, like our support, is a, is a you know, a big body. We, we, you know, they've got people that love their football and their club the same way we do, and they've got their bigots and their knuckle-draggers, and, and, you know, it'd be foolish to deny we have that element too. But Lennon... O'Neill and Hartson and Sutton recently clearly just play to that play to the knuckle draggers. You know, they tickle their tummy and say all the things that they that, that will make the, the kind of numbskulls that inhabit, you know, the, the Green Brigade and these kind of people, you know, they're they're the they're equivalent of the Taliban. They they tickle their tummy and I don't understand how they think that's that's a sensible thing to do. But most Celtic fans and including the ones, for example, that I've, I've spoken to since the game, they look at it and they said, you deserved your victory, that was, you know, that, yeah. that was very well played, all that kind of stuff. And exactly the same way that if, if that had been the verse, we'd have said, well, you know, fair dues. We wouldn't be happy, but we would accept the football reality of what happened on that pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, they're, they're wanting to, to, um, to play up to, to an element of people who bluntly, bearing in mind that banner that was, that was up on Sunday, that was interesting, wasn't it? You know, the one thing that Rangers and Celtic fans have in common is that both obsessed about Rangers. Yes. You know, our banner's about us, it's about us celebrating our glory, our club and our history and all that, and theirs is about denigrating that rather than celebrating their own achievements when, you know, I, I, I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it. Um, the, the thing about, I, I used to watch um, the Steve Coogan creation, Alan Partridge, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and think you know oh, that, that's that, that's you know quite a funny kind of overblown character ha 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 ha. But now mm. having seen Chris Sutton on on the TV a lot this season, um, I now mm. just begin to think it was you know a, a documentary about people from Aye. Norwich because the yeah. guy is almost heroically cretinous. I, I, yeah. I, everything about him, he he speaks in a way. That sounds as though he's permanently trying to coach a, a fairly reluctant but spiky jobby um, yeah. out at all times, and the, his opinions have no sense whatsoever. And then you chuck mm. in Hartson now. Hartson can be found most weeks in the papers up here, um, mm. touting for managerial jobs and telling us that basically every kind of major football figure of the last twenty five years said he was a wonderful player, and. Mm. For him to come out and say this is the equivalent of Manchester City playing Stockport County was just so, <laughs> so patently ridiculous because for a start off, what it was was the top of the, the champions of one team playing the champions of the other. So it'd be you know mm. Manchester City more likely to be playing say a Middlesbrough or whatever. You know it was a top Aye. of the, the previously, so it was a stupid thing to say anyway. But it was clearly mm-hmm. not borne out by anything anyone had watched this season. 
And you, no. you know, we keep hearing things, even this week, I'll say this for certain, he has slightly fronted up. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's at least come out. Hartson's been cancelling media appearances, blocking people, taking the piss out on Twitter. Do you know what? If you're, if you're going to talk like a big, wet, cum-filled fanny, at least have the common decency to come out afterwards and say, do you know what? Fair enough. Right, I made an ass of it, and he hasn't even got the the fortitude to do that. And I think that that speaks volumes about that guy. And every week, certainly every second week, in the papers, John Hartson will rail against the football establishment for basically not giving him a managerial job. And the reason that they're doing so, John, should be if it's not. Let me spell this out for you, and please just take this bit of advice. It's because you're a fucking moron. There's, there's nothing <laughs> you know, yeah, more well, to yeah, it than yeah, that. Yeah, you're it's right. because you're I mean, a Hartson, fucking clown. I mean, the, the two of them are different in, in the sense that Hartson's just as thick as a castle wall. Yeah. You know, he's the only BBC commentator that makes Robbie Savage look like an Oxford Dawn. And so I just ignore him, you know, because he's an idiot. Sutton, you think, should know better. And I heard him a few weeks ago um, on a Radio 5 Saturday morning programme. Basically, they were kind of reviewing the, the English Premier League and the kind of run-in and what was going to happen. And maybe he was absolutely vehement. Manchester City have got far too much to be out of this. They'll overtake Leicester City. You know, they could Sergio Aguero. They've got strength and depth in their squad and all this kind of stuff. Just basically ignoring the fact that even at that point, Leicester were that far ahead of them that they didn't have very much chance of getting anywhere close to them. Yeah. And it was rattling on and on and on. And then... No more than 10 days after that, I read a newspaper article that's going, yeah, well, I always had confidence in Leicester and stuff. Like, everybody's got this goldfish memory and forgot that a week and a half ago, Chris, you were just blethering on about Manchester City winning it. And it's kind of, I mean, it's intellectually and I understand now actually bankrupt. Mm. And actually, there's a nice wee metaphor for uh, for that, that cadre ex-Celtic players. Mm. I think that that's the case, with that. I think that... Uh, He's got Katie Hopkins syndrome in that he has controversial <laughs> opinions to deadlines for money. You know, and it's it's amazing how his controversial opinion du jour happens to be what a newspaper wants him to have a controversial opinion on by that newspaper's deadline in return for which he gets money. And, you know, I'm not going to go, everybody's got to make a living and, and that if that's what what you want to do, then go ahead and mm. do it. If someone's willing to pay you to, to as I say, look like a six foot two tit, that's okay. But mm-hmm. in Hartson's case, I think it, it, it is worse because to be given a platform to somebody who, frankly, I wouldn't trust with cutlery, I think is, no. you know, I, I, I think that that says a lot about what newspapers in this country think about their readers. I really do. And then they wonder why yeah. they're dying. But anyway, we've kind of rattled on for a bit. We'll come back at the end for a wrap up. But let's now go to hear the opinions, first of all, of the Livingston Lothario and then uh, from the deepest dungeon, Mark Dingwall. Joining me now is the Livingston Lothario, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr Cameron James Bell. Cammy, how the hell are you? David, how are you? Our communications have been terrible. We kept missing each other like a linesman missing a throw-in. We, we did indeed. And do you know the thing about it is, Cammy, we didn't just feel sorry for ourselves. What we did is we found a way to win. So if Cameron sounds a bit more distant this week, folk, than he usually does, it's because uh, we've had to go old school and get him in on, on the phone. But... Uh, Cammy, last week I think you and I sounded a reasonably optimistic and upbeat, uh, <laughs> an upbeat uh, bell before the game, but I think that we were maybe a wee bit surprised by just how well we did. 
Uh, surprised by how the game started. Uh, really, really pleasing to see that we went out in the front foot uh, and really took it to them. Um, and I think, although it's that kind of thing where you kind of hoped but you expected in those two conflicts, no one, I don't believe, expected us to go out and take it to Celtic the way we did. And just, I mean, so refreshing, so fantastic to see. I thought, I must admit, people were, were saying, when did you first begin to think? I told you, you know, off off mic last week, because I didn't want to make a fool of myself you know, on, <laughs> on on the pod, uh, well, more than usual, but I said to you, I just had this daft feeling we would win. I didn't know why, it wasn't based on anything, I just had this daft feeling. But the, the first time people said, when did it hit you during the game? And I remember it very clearly, it was after five minutes, and watching again on the highlight, Andy Walker actually goes, oh, Rangers are playing with so much confidence. It's, you know, it's really impressive the way they're playing the ball out for the back. And it was, it was just, I was like, we're playing our game. And it was that point that hit me. They think, our boys think they're going to win. And it wasn't, they were hopeful about it. It's like, they think if they do what they can do, they will win this game. I think that when you when you have the opportunity to look back on it, I, I think for me the the, the clearest indicator uh, was shown when we were attacking and Celtic broke into to basically two banks of four and five with Griffiths up top and his own. Mm. They were immediately they were immediately taken back in terms of that, and and that's clearly a game plan. Uh, Ronnie obviously decided to get them to try and absorb that and then hit us in the counter, which. You know, as I'm sure that we'll discuss in the pod, very nearly happened with the Roberts miss. Uh, but for me, that was when there was a clear sign of not only our intent, but also probably a little bit of their fear, a little bit of their concession. Uh, and that, that for me was where I thought, similar to yourself, I thought first, first 10, 15 minutes, I thought, mm. and then obviously we got the goal quite early on. And um, I'm always very wary. I always think when you look back at old fun games, there's periods of the game where one team's on top, mm-hmm. where it's a dominance, and then it then swings the other way, and then the other team are now coming towards you. But I thought the way how we started the game really set out a statement about, no, no, we're not here to be pushed about. We are here uh, to have a go at this. And you know what? More than anything else, we'll go out fighting if we have to. Mm, I think that you're right. I think that was a key thing, that had Rangers been swamped early on, then it could have reinforced a lot of uh, a lot of ideas that people had in their head going into the match. You know, I think a lot of people had presupposed that Celtic's midfield would run over the top of us. That Celtic would push our fullbacks uh, into areas you know defensively they didn't want to go to. Whereas in fact none of that happened. And it was, I mean, it, Celtic did appearance in the game, and it would be stupid to say that they didn't. They made chances. If you watch the BBC highlights, uh, I think we were only up the part twice. Uh, if you watch their highlights, but if you if you do look at the game as a whole, what Rangers did was they sent out that message early doors that we believe in ourselves, we're a good side. You're going to have to adapt, and as you say, Celtic had to change to that four five one, which left Griffiths, who is by far their best player and most dangerous player, it left him isolated in a role he doesn't really want to be playing in. No, he doesn't, and I think that when you so the BBC highlights are one thing. What a well conceded however, is we're not talking about utter domination here. We had clear, clear definition in terms of possession of the football. Uh, chances, no, not so much. And I think Celtic overall had more chances. However, we had more of the ball. And that's where I think more than anything else, if you look back on the last Old Firm game, 
the thing that really annoys Rangers fans isn't the 2 0 loss, it isn't the the significant um gap in terms of where we were, it was a lack of fight. Mm. And what we what we clearly came out with at the start of that game on Sunday was no, we are gonna take this to you. And you know what? We we've we've learned, in my opinion anyway, so many lessons from Sunday in terms of how to probably absorb some counter-attack and how to probably deal with that a little bit more you know, efficiently and a bit smarter. Uh, corners is clearly going to be a huge development point for us, and I've got absolute faith in, um, in Warburton and Weir to, to, to address that. Um, but to a man, every single one of them stood shoulder to shoulder yeah, um, as a team on Sunday, as an actual team. Yeah, they did, and they were better coached. You could see that they looked like a side where everybody knew their job, everybody knew what they had to do. Now there may be times where we have a, a slight lack of quality, um, that the guys maybe just don't have the ability to do something. But you can't really get on to them for that because all you can ask your players, and we've learned this, and we were, I think, a little bit spoiled before. But what we've learned the last uh, the last few years is that the most you can really ever ask is 100% every game, work hard and training every day, and hopefully you've got guys with ability that can push you to that extra level. But they gave everything they had, and if they lost, it wouldn't have been for the want of trying. Whereas last year, that team turned up knowing they were going to get beat, expecting to get beat, they got beat, and then they left. And that was what was most sickening for me last year, was that whereas on Sunday, the boys just went, we're going to give this everything. We know we're a good side. We're going to do what we can. And I think that they got their reward. Yeah, they got a bit of luck with the, the, the Patrick Roberts miss. Um, the, well, people have said the, the Griffiths one. I don't think that was luck because Wes gets a touch. That's a, to me, is a great save. The one where he goes through his legs? No, the one at the end when he tips Griffiths shot onto the he bar. Does, no, he, he does, yeah. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, I'm confusing Fotheringham and yeah, so you know you're right. He did get a touch, he did get a touch in it, and um, in fairness, in worst case scenario, if we had conceded that and it went in, then I still think we were going to come away from that game saying, you know what, we didn't really expect to get through. We had a good chat at it, and we still would have been probably reinvigorated at how much we took the fight to them. And that's the bottom line here. It's not the result. It's the result is absolute icing in the cake. But you've mentioned in the pod before. We've spoken about it before. We are. Um, the last four years have absolutely reset and recalibrated our expectations of talent, of, of, of passion, of people who want to be there for that football club. And as I said to you before, that, that's really what we're looking for because we've seen the other side of that coin. We saw it last year. However, now what we've been able to actually do is build on that. And yeah, you're right, we've got some skill in some areas. We could probably do with some more elsewhere. Um, but overall, as I say to a man... Um, we walked off that park deserved winners mm. now there was one other thing you were looking for from the game and you called me afterwards because you got it because folks are letting it a secret for Cami an old firm win is never complete if it's stuck Cami doesn't want to beat them 4 or 5 nil. Uh an old firm win is only complete if there's something for them to moan about so the throw in leading to Barry Mackay's goal just made your day that, that was your 6th number in the lottery coming up wasn't it I think yeah, you're right. That was, yeah, I think that was my bonus ball because what I really want—I I mean, we spoke about it before the win. There was no pressure on us on Sunday because the win-win scenario was even if we were to lose, Ronnie still stays. And as far as I'm concerned, I would really love him to be there next season. I think the way how things are kind of shaping up now, I don't think he's going to be. But had we lost and he had been there or whatever else as well, he would have put that as another another feather in his cap. 
So the thing is, though, that what I really wanted was something for them to blame it on. A Masonic referee, some sort of absolutely horrendous decision, which was so blatant in a replay that you know there's no way any any expectation could have been given that it would have been the wrong call. But that's exactly what I wanted, and I'm so pleased we got it with the throw-in. So pleased. And, and you know, it, it's so fantastic listening to people now, because if, if we were to do this podcast and we had conceded a goal from a throw-in, I think you and I would be absolutely dissecting how on earth that all came about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in actual fact, it just makes it even funnier. just makes it even funnier. The only thing that would have topped it for me would have been um, that, as I say, it, it hit Gordon in the, on the back of the head and the way out, and then it would have been an OG, something like that. I wouldn't have cared. Some sort of Les from off the stanchion, back in, and, uh, and then, as I say, a Gordon OG. That just would have been even funnier. My, um, my, but, uh, my, dream, my dream old fun victory will happen one day when, from a corner, one of our players shoves one of their players, and as he falls, he heads the ball into the ref, it bounces off him and loops up into the goal. Right, that's it. And and the guy was offside when he won the corner. And it wasn't a corner and, in the first place, it was a bad and, and, the, and the referee celebrates as well. Yes, that that's what we're after, but that we'll we'll get that one day, I'm sure. Now, uh, just before I let you go, Cammy, we talked about the game and obviously Scott and I will discuss the game in, in a bit more detail, but what did it mean to you, Sunday? Because I think that it's okay to say that it was an epochal fixture for us. It, it's it's okay to say that it was Mammoth and you know Celtic fans saying, "Oh, he's are going on." Like, well, you don't know what we've been through. You can't you can't understand it unless you've experienced it. And it was an enormous victory for us, and it was a cathartic victory for us. What did you take from it? So probably two two things for me, David, when I think about probably the, the past and the future. So. Um, I'm absolutely not going to downplay the achievement of winning the championship because seasons are won and lost as a marathon. They're never, they're never overnight victories. Everyone knows that. Um, did I think that the championship was significantly weaker this season uh, than it was last? Yes. But then at the same perspective, there's still decent enough teams in that division that could have caused us problems. We can all laugh at heads as much as they want, but as I say, I think, as I say, we discussed. Uh, quite a lot over the over the season that um, you know it could have turned out very differently. The, the team may not have came together the way it has. Uh, uh, Warburton's plans may not have have, have you know quite had, hit the ground as as as, um, as quickly as they had done and all that as well. So for me, I think that what Sunday showed was as a development where we are as a team and where we are as an ethos, almost a almost a, a, a kind of running. Um, mantra throughout the team that we will continue to work for each other that we do not flick results we work hard to achieve them and we'll get them from a future perspective and I said this to you obviously when we spoke to each other after the game there's also now a reason and I'm, I'm not the most hugely optimistic of people as you'll know but there's, there's, there's I'm challenging people now Rangers fans Celtic fans neutrals doesn't matter is, to tell me sufficient reasons as to why we cannot challenge for the league next season now I know that Rangers fans are hugely expectant. I know that we, we, you know, we want the best, we demand the best. You know, second place is not good enough for Rangers. However, I think that there was a degree of that which was almost blind optimism because we wanted to get back to that. We wanted to be back on, you know, the top, the top level. And so we had said, you know, let's try and go up against Aberdeen. Let's go and try out and go up against Celtic and Hearts, and let's try and you know make a decent show of it. I don't see anything having now played supposedly the best team in the country 
to suggest to me as to why we cannot challenge for that league now. And that, for me, is the true statement of this season. Been able to compare this to previous seasons, especially last year, looking to where we are now, um, I'm just so full of optimism now. Not expectation, but optimism. Mm. And that, for me, is where um, it's so gratifying to actually see some of the hard work pay off, some of the commitment, some of the investment that those players have made in our club and the fact that they now realise that they're on a journey. And in actual fact, top spot is very, very attainable. Mm, I, I totally agree. I'm looking forward to next season based on what I've seen as opposed to just a sense of bravado. That's, yeah, it's, that's almost, it's almost like a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Now, we know that Rangers fans will feel like that. As soon as we get back into the top flight, Rangers fans will say, you know, it's a legacy. We do not expect to sit second best. You know, you sit second in the league. That's not good enough. So we understand that. However, these things take gradual time, yeah, etc. Yeah, so, if, if we don't win the league uh, the first year, but we compete, that Now, now what I expect to see is, in actual fact, we can do that um, hopefully a lot quicker, depending on as you said beforehand, maintaining some of those players, potentially improving some of those areas, keeping Warburton for me is key. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, however, I think that we're on a, a journey that in actual fact the end might be much closer than a lot of us originally thought. Yep, agreed. Cammy, thank you very much, my friend. David, it's always a pleasure. Joining me now is uh, the man from the downstairs dungeon, it's Mark Dingwall. And how are you, dear fellow? I've had worse weeks, Mark. I've had worse weeks, I have to be honest. Yes, I, I myself am my usual radiant self. Yes. I'm sure you'll agree. Always, always. Now, Mark, can you tell us a little bit, first of all, just what Sunday meant to you after the last four years? We've had so many false dawns and some very kind of dark days, but so, I mean, to actually go into to that game, I mean, my, my attitude was extremely relaxed. I mean, I know that, you know, um, you would have, uh, I would have been a wee bit of a damper in the end of the season if we didn't beat, but we would have really need to have been beaten at six or seven nil for it to actually matter. That was very much, I think. Yeah. So I went into it very much in, with the view that, you know, we couldn't possibly um, lose. And by that, I mean, you know, even if we'd lost by a couple of goals, it, it wouldn't have mattered to us. Um, I think the the way that things have gone with Celtic, the, the way their season's panned out, the, the unrest about the manager, the kind of realisation that, you know, they should be miles ahead of us. They don't have a, they don't have a huge piggy bank because they've spectacularly screwed up and... Um, in Europe in the last couple of years when they, you know, I mean, even though they did qualify, the, the draws they had were, should, they should have walked in. Um, so the, the pressure was all on them, you know, and the only pressure on Rangers was not to get beat five or six, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, that crossed my mind when we went into extra time. I remember thinking, we can't really lose this now. Uh, in terms of we won't be embarrassed. Uh, I hate to sound like a Celtic fan, but there was only going to be one moral victory. Well, However, no, I think as well sometimes you you do you do kind of over intellectualise these things because in the run up to you know we're all discussing these things, but when it actually comes to you just want to win, you know you want to win, you want to have a sack, bit of a sash bash, uh, you want to have a bit the the noses in it, and that's the way it was. You know it's, it's like you know. This is the biggest old firm game since the last big old firm game. Mm. You know? Yeah, and I think that. You know, that no, 
but no doubt next year it'll be well, this is the first competitive league game for such a long while. What have Rangers done in the summer? What have Celtic done in the summer? Is there a new manager at Parkhead? You know, do have Rangers spent wisely in, in building up the, the squad? So, you know, it's it's all part of the uh, the ongoing story, even if we are bad. Yes, that that's the thing. I mean, I was going to say, although, you know, as I said, you realise, well, we'll be the moral victory, uh, or the moral winners, rather. That That's what they do, that's not what we do. Um, and I wasn't. Well, you, you know what I thought was, was fantastic was the, uh, what was it, the, the, the game is shown live in 114 countries around the world. If you look at the coverage that we had in England, if you look at, you know, Italy, France, you know, journalists contacted me from, from these places. And, you know, what they were saying was, you know, nobody cared. I mean, Celtic fans on phone and a range of updates, it's a new team. And people were just, you know, what? Are you mad? Yeah. Just nobody interested, you know, just not interested in your obsession. The old firm game is back and it's the same as it ever was. And there's been a story in, in Rangers, you know, put down into the, the depths of the Scottish, Scottish League to make it find their way back up. And all this, you know, semi-intellectual and, and old, you know, made-up legalistic type that we've had from, from the opposition players. In the real world, it doesn't matter. Nobody listens to them. No, and I think that the last couple of weeks, I think Rangers' promotion, first of all, followed by, by this and the, the mountain of coverage that, that's came the last couple of weeks has, has really shown that that narrative hasn't caught on at all. And I think that What's become clear to to the the watching Celtic audience is that they've completely wasted their time. You know that the, there's a great scene in The Simpsons when comic book guy is about to die, uh, and he's complaining about uh, the worst episode of Itchy and Scratchy ever, and he says it, it hits him just as the meteorite's about to hit. He says, uh, "I've wasted my life," and that's that's what's happened the last couple of the last couple of weeks to to the Celtic support. They've realised that. We should be. Do you ever find, David, that you're spending too much time in your own reading these comic books? Uh, me, no, never. Otherwise, I'd have to spend time with people, and you know me, I, I like to spend time with um, myself or dogs. And uh, other than that, I'm, I'm, that, that's why we do this by phone now. Remember, we used to do this like, all together in our room. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing it live from your bunker, and I'm doing it live from my bunker. That's it. You know, for for completely different reasons and with completely different legal outcomes. Now, we've, we've talked a lot, obviously, about you know, where they should be and where they're not. But let's talk more about us. Um, while it is fun to laugh at their pain and uh, by the looks of things we're going to be able to do so for, for quite a long time, and I think we've earned it. But uh, let's talk about Rangers now. Um, we've, I'm talking about the, the game with, with Bearwood and, and Cammy in more depth. So what I'd really like to, to talk to you about is you're close to, to figures in the boardroom and, you know, through the battles and whatnot. What did Sunday mean to None those guys? Admit, I'm you. Oh, I know, fine. But, um, <laughs> you know, they've all said they would stand up at your, at your trial if it's for something really serious. But um, what what's the view from the boardroom for next season as to where we are and, and realistically where we can go? Um, to, to, to be honest with you, with the fellows that have that are known the the board, they're kind of more you know it's it's a series of crises, and and obviously they have responsibilities with regards to say, um, you know, to taking on uh, 
make cash, like, that are so serious that you simply don't get any information from them. You know? Um, so, so there is this kind of part of the club. You know, I don't have a window into anymore simply because, um, you know, the number of court cases that are going on and how serious they are, you don't see that side of it. Yeah, they can't on, talk about that. On, yeah, simply it was tied up with so many injunctions. It's so serious for the club that, you know, none, none of the none of the, the directors will, will give you a, will give you an insight into it because it's just too dangerous. On on terms of the what's going on in, in, in the field, then I think it's um, it becomes a function of money and that King and the rest of them, if you look at the, the number of guys and their financial backgrounds on there, they're not going to break the bank. They're not going to go down the route uh, um, you know, so we say the, the David Murray about the huge star signings. Um, because, you know, one, it doesn't work, especially in the Scottish context. And two, you can't do it. I mean, you're, you're operating in a club with, with no overdraft and where I think it's roughly the guys that are on the board and some of their supporters that, um, that George Taylor and George Lethal, I mean, these people put up ten and a half million quid, basically with no security um, mm. to fund the club. So I think the budget's going to be whatever it's going to be, and Lord Button will have to work with that. But what I would say is, I think if you just look at what the club's finances have been in recent years and what they will be this coming year, they'll be just simply transformed by you know the commercial staff, hospitality. And even the TV money will, you know, where we're getting you know, the square root of a peanut in the last couple of years, despite being, you know, quite often the most um, the most watched game in, in, in the UK, certainly in, certainly in Scotland. Um, that money will transform the club. But again, you're going to be up against um, clubs in the top division who, you know, who have um, husbanded their their finances and, and got player pools, which, you know, are um, are pretty strong, you know, compared even compared with ours. As you know, we, we did we did well against uh, Dundee, etc. But in terms of um, other games that were played or um, again in, in the cups and so forth, then I don't think we should be complacent. Some of that should be uh, particularly, you know, not this season but last season. We should we should learn from that that complacency can be extremely dangerous. What's the key thing Rangers fans can do going forward, Mark, to support the club? Because obviously there's, as you mentioned, there are a number of court cases, there's a whole spectre of, of Ashley and whatnot. This summer, how can, how can Rangers fans play their part? Well, I think the simplest thing they can do is to, is, is to buy season tickets or, or to buy match tickets and go regularly to the game. I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't pay for, for buying anything out the, the Rangers shops and, until until the, the problem was actually solved. But if you look at every year with, with Rangers, the season ticket sales is the most important financial event in, in the club's year. You know, that's really, you know, you're getting money in for for a, a product that you don't have to really deliver until the final part of it, until 10 months later. It really is vital for the club to, to have those sales. And, and I think they probably will have the 40,000 mark um, I think we could be the feel good factor going back to the top division. The season we've had this year, the whole kind of magic that's been worked the war button and we are, I think we could be hitting the 40,000 quite easily. Um, what will the prices be? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think they'll just do, uh, you know, oh, it's a percentage rate or compare them to Celtic. I would say they would probably put them back to what the price was when we were last in the top flight. Right. I think that would make, I think that would make sense and it would be good PR. Certainly that's what I've been, as I say, I, I don't have any particular insight into, into, into the board's thinking because I simply don't ask some of these questions anymore because I don't want to embarrass people. Uh, and also, I just don't get the answer. But you know, from time to time, I do, I do fire off a wee, um, a wee note saying, I think this is a good idea, I have a look at that. And so that would certainly be from, from my judgment of the, the partners. I think if you went back to the, to the prices we last paid, people would realise, yeah, the club needs that. It is a bit of a hike, um, but it's not unreasonable. No, I don't think so. And I think, as you say, the fans are, are very willing, especially when there are limited avenues for us to go down in terms of uh, putting money into the club. Right, Mark, if people want to to hear more from you, or rather, um, if people want to go and post an opinion and then be banned for it, where, where should they go on the World Wide Web? Well, if they wish to make a fleeting visit to my website at followfollow.com, um, then, you know, we welcome all opinions, but most of them will, of course, be banned unless they... Unless they agree with me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Big Man. So interesting stuff from Cami Bell and from uh, Mark Dingwall there. Um, we'll now just sort of wrap up because uh, you know you can overanalyze and and all the rest of it. But in my opinion, and that you know that's all it is. But I think. That this and I, I am probably more prone to exaggeration than I think I am, but I really do genuinely believe this, Stephen. To me, that is the greatest old firm victory of all time, and will never be beaten. And I'll tell you why, because never again, realistically. Although if the last five years have taught us anything, it's never never count your chickens. But <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, but if the last five years have taught, uh, but. Even if they have toys out, let's let's put that to, to one side. Never again will Rangers and Celtic face each other as teams from different divisions. Yes, and therefore yes. Celtic will never ever. This has been almost forgotten. Well, it wasn't in the build-up. It's funny how it's been forgotten in the post-match. But we are, despite you know the, the club, the history, the fans, the stature, all the rest of it, we are a championship side, mm. and. They are the Premier League champions and Premier League champions elect and they lost to us and they will never, ever be able to replicate that feat, ever. No, at the moment it's all pretty sore and there's obviously been all the media hype around the fact that it's it's a game again, which which is interesting. Bear in mind, you know, almost everybody outside that little bubble you were talking about were saying the old firm are back and, and, you know, I don't like the old firm as a term because it associates us with a club I I want nothing to do with. Uh, But, but, I mean, they were all going on and on about that forever. But actually, you know, at the end of the day, they'd be knocked out by a lower league side. (laughs) And I think they expected to beat comfortably. You know, now the, the other, you know, when we played them under McCoy's lost 2 0, I didn't even watch the game because I was just so afraid of that, how badly we were going to get embarrassed and battered. But, and, and the fact it was 2 0, I'm like, oh, that could have been a lot worse. And I think 
most Rangers fans I spoke to would have thought, well, you know, as long as we give a good account of ourselves today and at the end of at the end of full time, if we'd lost it in penalties, it would have been sore, but we would have thought, well, we played really well and, and you know, and another day could have played that game they deserved a victory. Um, and and, and fell a bee. but at the moment, uh, Davy, we are living as uh, to use your phrase, rent free in their heads. Mm. You know, there is no doubt they're looking over their shoulders next year and going, if they strengthen on the basis of what the progress have made in the last, two, what, what are they going to look like when, they, when we play them? And they've had a decent pre-season and they make some decent signings, and they have to get a new manager, and that manager will have to be funded. That that squad will have to be cleared out. You know, all of a sudden, it changes the paradigm entirely, and they must be really sweating. They must be. I would be in their position. No, yeah, absolutely, because they need to gut their squad and start again, and we don't. We need to add. Mm. Now, admittedly, they've got some talent there that is is better than Mm. us. Some, and I think Sunday Mm. proved that, some, not as much as they thought they had. Um, Whereas we need to add, and we're already going to chuck into that team. I mean, you won't be able to persuade me that, Forrester, O'Halloran and especially Waghorn wouldn't have made a hell of a difference on Sunday. No. So, no. you know, the, the, no. the fact is is that we've got players to come in and then there's the boys from Accrington, there's a couple of other players, probably no. another four or five signings. It's healthy and it's fun. The manager's in place, the team ethos is in place. We're starting in a pretty good position, whereas they're going to have to rip it up and start again. And that gives us the advantage for next season. And I've said before, do you know what? See if we don't win the league in our first year back. Well, boo-hoo, so long as we're, we're giving a good account of ourselves and we're progressing. And that that's the thing. Eventually, their worst nightmare, and that was just a taste for it, and, and that, that was almost like a trailer. Um, mm-hmm. Their worst nightmare is us winning the league, and they know it's going to yeah. happen. That's the thing at the back of their minds. They know because they're never, you know, no matter even if they gubbed us five now, they're they're not going to win the league every year in perpetuity. At some point, we will win the league. It's just going to happen. They'll have a bad side or whatever, right? And they know yeah. it's coming. And when it comes, it is absolutely going to fry their minds. There's going to be like the, the amount of immolation that will happen in that club will be hilarious. Yeah, because, I mean, the difference uh, between us, David, that's, that's the thing. You know, in 1989, when, when Rangers signed Morris Johnson, it showed to me, previously I had thought we were two, you know, both sides of the same coin and, you know, for the same kind of stock and all that and the same, basically the same kind of attitudes and stuff. What that told me, and it's been reinforced a number of times ever since, and, you know, exemplified by their T-shirts. Whenever they won, you know, under a nail, it was all about beating Celtic. Sorry, Celtic beat Rangers, no excuses, and 10 in a row with a zero scored out, and, and that being a Rangers test. All that's utterly obsessed by us, and beating us is what they exist for. Whereas we exist to win and to be as good as we can be. And the glory for me, actually, at the moment, is we have a manager and a managerial team and players who are committed to that in the same way we are. You know, the bond between the fans has never been stronger. We've got people in the boardroom that are in, that, that we know are genuine, care about the club the way we do. And we've got people who want the right way. Rangers are good to watch. We play good attacking football. We're creative. We're progressive. We don't try and kick people off the park. It's, to a neutral watching Rangers football club, it's a, it's a fantastic experience. And that analogy between the two periods, you know, we're basically under David Murray's... Uh, Stewardship. We we fell asleep at the wheel and let Celtic catch us up in the mid to late nineties, 
they've done exactly that. You know that that uh, with that manager who they thought was a kind of Norwegian uh, Jose Mourinho, and it's uh, you know it's not exactly turned out. It's turned out to be a cup twice Steve McLaren have ended up with. <laughs> He's done absolutely nothing, and that board's been happy to do it. And there's a real internal war going on in there, so so we're positioned really, really well uh, to go ahead. But it's about again to go back to something you said. It's about what we do, right? It's about what we do. It ain't about what they do. I don't care about them ultimately. No, absolutely. So um, yeah, all in all, pretty a pretty good week to be a bear, I would say. So, uh, Mister Stephen Smith, thank you very much for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon. All right, comrade. Have a good, uh, have a good time. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, let's enjoy pre-season as well. So, thanks very much to all the guys for agreeing to to come and chat to us. Funnily enough, this week they were all uber keen. I, I can't think why that was. Um, shout out to Big Scott, who will be back soon. Um, he's he's just uh, got a few things he needs to attend to at the moment so we're thinking of Big Man but I know he was happy on Sunday as well a few housekeeping things if you want to tell us what you think and uh, if you want to even just uh, share your joy then you can get in touch with us it's uh, on Twitter first of all you, you'll find us uh, at Ibrox Rocks that's R-O-C-K-S you'll find me and uh, you can also talk to Scott at, at Scott Heart Hand and Cammy at, at Beat That Beat you can also go and talk to us on Facebook where it's just search for Heart Hand and Rangers Podcast or you can email us uh, ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers. And um, just just to, to wrap up, it's been a long time. We've been doing this pod for six years. Before this, I was in the Sporters Trust for a few years when I was banging my gums and people very kindly agreed to, to give me a platform to do that. And this was always just about providing the world with another view of what it's like to be a Ranger supporter because the view I saw in the media and the view that I still see in the media and that you guys see in the media isn't who we are and it never was. It's it's a cartoon, it's it's a pigeonhole, it's what people who hate us would like us to be rather than what we actually are. And for me, I always wanted to try and show the humour and the pride and the sense of fun that came with being a Ranger supporter. And that's why in the last six years of doing this podcast, especially what we've gone through, it, we've always tried to be you know, 35, 40 minute oasis of lightheartedness in the week while still reflecting on things that were, were important to us and things that were serious. We've maybe gone a wee bit to town on what was a semi-final victory or an old form victory. We've, we've seen both before many times and we'll see them both again in the future many times, I'm sure. But Sunday was big. Sunday was Sunday was like the graduation after getting your life back on track. You know, it was it was the the homeless kid who's lost everything who gets taken in and, and eventually turns a life round and Sunday was, was the day of that and you know, we like that kid, you know, we, we need to go out into the world and, and succeed again and that's what next season's all about. But it it was giving us a platform to do that and it was giving us the belief to do that. I have a tendency to to try and keep things fairly light and to laugh and joke my way through through most things. But Sunday Sunday was different. Sunday made me realise, made me realise, just brought home yet again to me how much I love being a Rangers fan. You know, simple word, a Rangers fan. It's just, 
simple phrase rather, three words, a Rangers fan, but, but that's who I am and that's who you are and everything that's been thrown in front of you and every kick you've taken and every sneer you've you've had to, to swallow from people and every joke and every piece of hatred that came at you all the while they were you know, telling you you were the hate-filled one. That's why Sunday was for you and it was for me and it was for your kids and it was for your mum and dad and it was for everybody. Because this isn't a leisure pursuit. This isn't being fond of a football team. This is who we are. It comes from a place deep within us that we can't explain. Um, it comes from a place deep within us that, that we can't quantify. It just exists. It was with us from when we were children and it'll be with us until we take our last breath, which will hopefully be a long time away. I love being a Rangers supporter. Uh, I love that crest. I love the people who make that crest. And people can talk about new club history. Oh, that, you know, it doesn't bother me because Rangers is the Rangers support. And one of the greatest things and one of the things I'm most proud of and one of the things that makes me happiest is that I can count myself among them. I love being a Rangers fan. I love other Rangers fans. And the pride that we have in ourselves and in our club is what makes our club the worldwide institution that it is. We are maybe not the best team in the world. We have our flaws, but we're the greatest club in the world. And we always will be so long as there are people like us and future generations of us to keep that going. Right, enough pish. You go and take care. I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.